We've got some guests for our community stories. Always love to have some folks who've, well, been real active in the community for a long time. And with me this morning, I have Maureen Gustafson with the Mankato Foundation. And we have also Erica Kozier, and she is with Connection Sheltered. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Now, Maureen, we've had you on the on before with the foundation, and today you are, are having a spotlight on one of the folks that you guys support. Correct. We are we do a, a uh, annual event, and this year we are featuring Connection Shelter and Partners for Housing. We're looking at housing insecurity. And so we're inviting uh, anyone that would like to come to Connection Shelter on Wednesday, September 22nd. And they're going to get a tour of the facility. It's beautiful. Erica and her staff have done a wonderful job making it a comfortable, cozy environment. And they'll get an idea of how they can donate food. They have people donate meals every night for the shelter. We'll take a look at their theater where they have movies. And we're uh, going to have dinner provided by um, Natasha from The Wooden Spoon. So we'll get a, a real nice chance to socialize and get to know each other a little bit better. But um, Erica's the expert on the homeless aspect of everything. Well, we'll talk with Erica a little bit then, and we'll talk more about this event. Thanks, Maureen. So, Erica, you are the co-director of the Homeless Shelter Connect Yes, Connections. Connections, Shelter, yes. And, of course, I know our church is one that participates in in helping out with that, too, as a lot of other local nonprofits are. So as far as Connections, if people have never heard of it, what is it? Where is it? What do you do? All right. So the basics, the the 100 level on Connections. Yes. Um, So we are, we started, we're entering our fifth season this season. We're going to open October 4th. So we're in that countdown to opening day. Um, We began as a rotating shelter using um, empty churches Mm -hmm. at night and partnered with six churches our very first inaugural year. And that has grown, I believe my last count was we have 13 or 14 churches that partner with us at this point. Um, As we continue to grow and, and understand what was really needed, in the community, we realized that a permanent location was going to serve our guests the very best. Rather than sleeping on camping cots, they could have actual beds and a secure location. So we're now housed at First Presbyterian Church, which is down on Hickory Street in downtown Mankato. And we are an emergency low barrier shelter. And what that means is that we will take anyone that needs housing. So, um, men, women, families, whatever that might look like, Um, and they can come in. It's a damp shelter, so if they have been using um, alcohol or drugs, they are welcome to come in, Um, and we just are there. People can stay as long as they need to, and we help them get back up on their feet and connect them with other resources using our Connections name, connect them with resources in town to find housing. And I think that has been a barrier before people can't enter the shelters because if they're using or anything like that, they would say, sorry, Go. Right. And where would they go? I Yeah, there was nowhere to go. Oh. So we were able to fill that gap um, and really needing that emergency. Lots of the other housing programs in town um, are a little bit longer term. And so having that emergency, our average guest stays about 21 days. Okay. So pretty quick in and out. How many guests can you have? We have 35 beds. So we can um, fill to 35, and if we have little people, um, we don't count them in that 35 if they can be in a crib or a cot. Um, Mm -hmm. But, yeah, 35 is what we are Are they in, like, a big room, or how does that work? Because, I mean, with COVID and everything, I would think that would be a concern. Karen, they did not have one case of COVID all last year. Are you serious? We had no cases of COVID last year in the shelter. It was amazing. How do you—did you— 
We were masked always. Okay, okay. Um, that was a rule. Guests didn't have to be masked. So we have separate rooms. Um, so all of our men's sleeping rooms, there are six beds. And then in our family rooms, there's three to five beds. Um, okay. So nobody's sharing space with a lot of people. And we were able to really separate beds out pretty far. So six feet around every bed. Um, so did that a lot. Mask wearing tons of sanitizing um, and then just being really careful and really screening well. Um, Do you have them screen before they come in? So is that the, that a barrier by chance that you have if you don't come in with a clean COVID test? You can't? No, um, we do not screen for COVID. Oh, we okay. were just checking temperatures and symptoms sure. um, and anybody that we thought might be carrying COVID would be put in a quarantine room in the shelter. We wouldn't kick them out um, until we were able to test to make sure that they were okay. How, so. Do you have any idea how large the homeless population is? I know when I first started at KYC TV in Mankato. I remember doing a story and it used to be in that old church, the Welcome Inn. Mm -hmm. And I remember at that time they said on any, any given night in Mankato, there were 70 homeless people. And so that was a figure back, I mean, we're talking back 1988, 89. So way back, I'm curious if there are any ideas of what the need is right now in terms yeah. of numbers. You know, it's, um, Last year, we were not able to do our count because sure. of COVID, right. um, and it was a little bit more of a difficult year to find the count. But we tend to go by what the school district um, identifies as highly mobile students. And in 2019, pre-COVID, um, that was over 350 family units that were considered Family highly, units, so yep, that's more than just 350 yep, people? Highly mobile. So oh. um, that doesn't mean that they're experiencing homelessness at that particular moment, um, but that are couch surfing, that are doubled up, um, sleeping in cars, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, right now we just did kind of a cursory count yesterday of who we think is is living unsheltered right now in the Mankato area. And I would say it's 20 to 25 that are actually outside. Um, and then beyond that, we have lots of people that are that are sleeping up, uh, doubled up couch surfing or are in situations that just are not safe. How do you even know? I mean, that's such a fluid thing, I would think, with people being homeless, because some, it might be one day they're in, next day they're out, and yeah. they're, I mean, I don't even know how you can keep track. We uh, work really hard to build relationships. So Pastor Colette, who's the other co-director mm -hmm. with myself, we spend a lot of time out in the community. Um, we do a lot of street outreach where we're, we're trying to find people, find out what their situation is, kind of keep track of that coming and going, and finding out when when they are truly unhoused uh, when they may need to come in so it's a lot of outreach a lot of a lot of relationship building um, and then getting them into shelter once we're open so connections is is one of the homeless shelters yes. are there other places people can go yes there are so partners for housing um, we work very closely with and they um, focus more on families and couples um, and they are able to oftentimes people will come into us in an emergency situation and then we will kind of fast track them over to partners if it's a family because they're situated to, to give families privacy in either Teresa house or welcome in or union place in st. Peter um, and and then they work really hard to get people moved into housing and then they have some transitional housing within their program as well. So it ends up being a really nice partnership where we're able to kind of take people in those immediate, you know, we've just been kicked out tonight, we need somewhere to go and they can come into us and then we can kind of stabilize them and get them moved over to partners. So 
Does the Salvation Army any longer? They used to house people, I know. Yep, Salvation Army used to do overnight shelters for men. Um, they have stopped doing that, and they are now doing day shelter. Okay. So that there is 24-hour coverage for people um, in the winter to be out of the elements. And I know, I'm sure, with winter coming, you know that, I mean, I don't know if that changes. Like, now is the need not so great, and all of a sudden you'll get this big rush? or. Uh, you know, it's interesting. We do have people that will kind of cycle through that might leave once the shelter's closed for the season. We'll leave and go find other shelters. Um, there's a couple in Rochester or up in the cities. And then once we open, they'll return back oh, to the Oh, you do close? We do close. Yep. So oh. at this point, Connections is seasonal. So we are open um, October 4th. We open and then we'll close May 31st. We are working towards getting to year-round. Um, okay. It's just a matter of financial support at this point. And speaking of support, the Mankato Foundation is one of the big supporters of Connections and the Partners for Housing. Yes. And so tell me about that support. What is it that you do, and, and how do you get the funds to help these? We provide grant dollars, Okay. and so we assist with that. We provide in messaging. We provide in um, you know support to nonprofits in general to help their mission get out, to help information about their needs get out. Um, when we had the shutdown, we created the um, Community Response Fund in partnership with the United Way. And uh, within 48 hours, they raised $440,000. So um, organizations like Erica were instantly the recipients of that. They didn't have to go through a grant process, and they didn't have to wait they got that money immediately to continue with their mission. So um, I think responsiveness and providing dollars and then being you know available. And then if people come to us and say, we really want to do something for the community, do you know of a group? And then we can do that referral if um, housing insecurity is their passion. And so we refer a lot of people to connections and to partners for housing. So it's just a really wonderful relationship, and we're so proud of what they've done. Um, the whole fact that they didn't have any COVID cases in the shelter all during COVID, the fact that all of the um, housing insecurity entities worked in tandem during that whole time. They got together. They made sure that it was a seamless day. People had somewhere warm with food to go 24 hours whether it was the Salvation Army or whether it was the various overnight opportunities that they had, they strategically put that together and, and worked really hard to make sure they were working together. That really does kind of blow my mind that there yeah. was no COVID cases, you know, given that transient population that, mm -hmm. that you are, are working with. So that's awesome to hear that. Now, Maureen, how do you choose as a foundation, the Mankato Area Foundation, what nonprofits to contribute to. And, and the other thing I want to comment on is it's so awesome that you had it that that was available to them without having to wait for mm -hmm. a grant process to go through. And there's people that in need right away. So that's right. so neat that you did that. But how how do you decide that? What is the process? It's just the whole, um, just having the information and being able to talk to donors about what they're excited about. You know, some people it's the arts. Some people it's um, something with technology or education. But, you know, we keep track of the various nonprofits. Um, Sarah, in our office, works with the nonprofits on a regular basis. She's familiar with what their needs are and what, um, how we can fill a gap for them. And then um, Nancy and I know Nancy Zellick, yes. okay. <laughs> our, our uh, president, and I know a lot of people, and so um, we have the opportunity just to match good people with good projects. 
And the Mankato area is amazingly generous. Mm-hmm. Very, now, very much do so. do most of the projects you work with work the same way where they don't have to go through a grant process? Or is it mostly a grant process? There is a grant process. Okay. We do a lot of scholarships, and, and there is some process to that. But we are, with our new strategic plan, we're really looking at being nimble. You know, how we can address needs. Because we see people waiting for grants all the time. And when you're in situations like COVID or recovering right. from COVID or trying to add something to a shelter to help families, you need it fast. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's important to have those processes in place where you can react quickly. How long have you been supporting the homeless project? Do you know? I do not. Do you know? <laughs> I think that we, um, as we have continued to grow as connections and realize, like, we're pastors. We didn't necessarily know the whole nonprofit world. We really turned to the foundation and started with Sarah a couple years ago as we worked on our nonprofit status. And I think that relationship has just grown. Um, And now we just have Maureen and and Nancy on speed dial. (laughs) Oh, funny. (laughs) So so who is Sarah? You keep talking about Sarah, so we want to give Sarah credit, whoever she is. Yeah, Sarah Byswinger. Oh, oh, wonderful. Sarah's job is to work with nonprofits. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Um, I interviewed her before for different nonprofits. And then she deals with a lot of scholarships. So if we have a fund where they want to give a scholarship, she manages the selection process. She manages the record keeping of that. Um, Tricia here was just doing the publicity and all those scholarships to make sure they get recognized. But then she also does a lot of, Sarah does a lot of work with the nonprofits, just knowing their mission, knowing their needs, knowing how they can collaborate if necessary to um, get more bang for their buck. I want to go back to a little about the history of the Mankato Area Foundation itself. When did that start and how did the... I guess, what was the initial? Was there a certain project that got it going, and how has it grown? 1974. Okay. Um, prior to that, they had wanted to build a civic center. So a oh. bunch of people in town went out and raised all this money to, to build a civic center. They put all the money in a pot, and they didn't have enough. Oh. So they had to give it back. Oh, dear. Yes. So they decided that if they had a central place to do community projects and, and in a foundation format, that they could do projects like that. So the uh, Confer family from um, Hubbard, they, um, Ogden Sr., did the seed money to go into that, and it started, and it was very, just a little bit every year. Sure. I mean, it was, they gave off the income of their interest in you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. It wasn't, not even that, it was like $60,000. But somebody took that first step. Yes, mm-hmm. and then 10 years ago, um, they hired Nancy Zellick as um, the executive director, and then it was miraculous. It's now a $27 million foundation. Oh, wow. Okay. This year we gave $2 million away um, awesome. in grants and that type of thing. So it's really, really grown. But it, but local families, long-time, long-name families, have brought their their family foundations to us to become a fund of the foundation because it's easier to manage. And so that just helps because we had a project this week, and Nancy just made a call to a, a long-time name in town, and they said, we'd love to sponsor that. Oh, wonderful. You know, so there's just that kind of thing that goes on. Talk about the different projects. I mean, obviously, homelessness is a huge right. I- issue for our area. What are some other projects? Or You mentioned scholarships. Yep. Are there any other? Did, did, by the way, did that uh, initial funding that you guys, they started for a civic center, did that ever get that? Or? We we held the money when the civic center was being built. Yeah. So so they actually... Red Jacket that, Trail was another okay. one of ours. Okay. Uh, Williams Learning Center, the Fountain in the Library. Um, you know, these are all just things you see every day. Yeah. Uh, the arts. We um, have were an initial sponsor of uh, the City Art Walk pro- Project and the Sculpture Walk, and we continue to be the lead sponsor in that. Um, Kiwanis Holiday Lights, uh, 
if you add everything together, we're probably their biggest sponsor with all of the things that we've provided to them. So it's just, it's all over the place, arts and education and science and technology. Um, Trisha has a big event coming up here on the 24th of September with um, Recharge. Tell me again. Speak. Sorry. So you can't see me on Facebook Live, but uh, so Recharge Mankato... Recharge Mankato is an initiative that we partner with actually MSU, the Olseth Family Foundation, and Reach Strategies out of California to promote electric vehicles and long-term sustainability. So every year we do a ride and drive event where we bring different vehicles in, and we have that coming up on Saturday, September 25th at the Myers Fieldhouse. So there will be more information coming out on that very soon. And we're going to be having John Olseth on our show to talk about that. So when you said recharge, I knew what she was talking about (laughs) because we've been working to get him because we have a a program or a segment called Everyday is Earth Day talking about the importance of uh, protecting and and conserving for our environment. So awesome. I'm glad to hear that you guys are a part of that as well. Very good. Well, so a lot of, lot of different things. I'm glad you mentioned some specific things. Otherwise, people are like, kind of like, well, what mm-hmm. is this foundation? Because it seems like such a big right. word that, mm-hmm. what, what does it really do? And, and, and obviously, the things with Erica is something that's very, very tangible. Mm-hmm. And so this, this year, you said you highlight a different nonprofit to feature at this upcoming event. Correct. So this year, you chose... Connections. Connections. And we're also doing Partners for Housing. The whole concept is um, housing insecurity. So uh, guests are encouraged to buy a ticket, and you can get that on our website. And uh, with that comes a four-course dinner, a tour of the facility, an opportunity to sign up to provide dinner for the homeless shelter. So um, you bring food in for 25 people. All you have to do is drop it off. They have these wonderful volunteer elves that meet you at the door. They take their job very seriously. Mm-hmm. They um, serve the people. They uh, do all the cleanup, all that type of thing. But so if you're going to donate food, all you have to do is bring it to the door and they come and take it from you. Now, let me ask you this, Maureen. With COVID, are there restrictions? You know, usually they say if you bring food, it has to be packaged, prepackaged. Are there anything like that or not? I'm just curious because I know, I think our church has participated in bringing food down there. Right, right. So we're able, because we are considered a ministry, um, we are able to um, kind of flow under some of the the guidelines that that larger um, institutions would have. Um, But yeah, so we have, we check all the temperatures before food goes out and all of that. Um, But because of COVID, we really needed food to be brought in because we didn't want a lot of people in our kitchen cooking. Right. Um, And so it it worked out really well. Lots of crock pots, uh, roasters full of meals coming in. Um, And we've been able to run that way since we started and it's worked out really well. So it's it's all like a a potluck every day almost. Some of my friends had, had restaurants deliver. Yes. They oh, just really? bought the food from the restaurant and had them bring it in. That yep. is really awesome. That I didn't mm-hmm. realize you guys did that, too. So Yep. So every every night there is a, a full meal um, and snacks because hunger is a huge part of homelessness. So we want to make sure that people are, are well fed um, as they begin their journey towards something more stable. So the date of the event again? It is Wednesday, September 22nd. Okay. It starts at 530 at um, the church. First Presbyterian Church. First Presbyterian Church. Beautiful, beautiful church. Beautiful church. And um, it'll go until 7.30, and there'll be um, just a fun dinner, opportunity to socialize, take a tour of the facility, get to meet the staff, hear a little bit more about Partners for Housing, and hear a little bit more about Connections. And so you need a ticket? ticket Not necessarily a ticket, just a reservation. Oh, just a reservation. Okay. And so then you, you... 
is it a certain amount you pay? Like seventy five dollars. Seventy five dollars, mm-hmm. and that goes obviously toward the Correct. connections and mm-hmm. or the foundation. The foundation, and mm-hmm. then in turn we get it to the the various charities. Okay, and how do how does one connect with that again? On our website. So. Mankato Area Foundation dot com dot com and make a reservation by is there a certain date or anything? I think we should have it by the. <laughs> She's like, mm, <laughs> what sounds good? If it's the twenty second, <laughs> let us know by the twentieth. I love it. That's so <laughs> awesome, Marine. You are so funny. Uh, but yeah, so so obviously doing some really great work for the community and, and connection shelter. And so you are now gearing up then for the coming season because you said it opens October first. Yes, October fourth. So 4th. it opens on a Monday. Um, yep. So we are in uh, the process of hiring our overnight staff. We are getting the building spruced up. Uh, taking the lessons we learned from last year and figuring out what we need to add and uh, change to make this year successful. Um, yeah, and then we will be launching into the season. Do you have other needs for the, the shelter in terms of donations? I mean, you, I know you mentioned food and that sort of thing. Are there other things that are tangible that, besides cash, obviously? Right. Um, that, and you can do that through the foundation. Mm-hmm. but Or directly. Or directly. Yeah, mm-hmm. or directly. Uh, what what do you need? I mean, just so people are out there want right, to do something. Right. You know, at this moment, uh, that's part of the process for the next month is to figure out what we've got uh, squirreled away and what we're still going to need. So I encourage people to watch our Facebook page, um, which is Connections Ministry on Facebook, or our website, which is ConnectionShelter.org. And we have a donation section there. Um that when we know we have needs, we'll put up. So we know once it gets cold, we'll be doing a jacket, coat and jacket drive. Um, I know our church has already started a jacket yes, drive, and yep. I don't know if that's for you guys maybe. or, or, or. It, Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> um, and we also um, oftentimes will need quilts. Um, okay. It can it just sort of depends on who's coming through the door, what we see. Backpacks are always a huge need because lots of times people come in without anything um, to put their things in. To so. To put it into perspective, I mean, are there a lot of kids in the Mankato area that are homeless? Because I guess you don't really necessarily know because they're in school, so you wouldn't know. Right. Uh, Yeah, there are. Um, We don't see as many, and this past year was probably our smallest number of children because of the eviction moratorium. Hmm. Most families were able to stay put to where they were. But uh, we, on average, see between 30 and 35 kids a season. Okay. Um, And as the eviction moratorium may change, who knows, that you might be... Are you feeling like you might be bracing? And what happens if you don't have enough room? Where do they go? Um, It's really hard, but we have to turn people away um, because we are... We can only house as many people as we can, so we try and make sure that we have a place to send them. Um, but it is hard in in the state of Minnesota. We're always short beds. Do you ever go back to the the if you run out of room at the shelter? Do you ever go back to putting them in churches like you did before? Or? We're not staffed to be able to do okay. that. So yep, we right. we do keep people in one spot. If we hit the polar vortex, things like that, then we will um, for sure those short term things we can throw up some extra cots. Um, assuming COVID is not an issue. All right. Well, let's hope that it, you keep your, your good record and yes. s- with that. And so anyone wants to you know know more about the the event itself, go to Mankato Area Foundation online. And if you want to know about Connections, just go to Connections. Connectionshelter.org. Shelter.org. Anything else you'd like to add, Maureen, about the, the uh, foundation itself and things people may not know and maybe you want them to know? Well, we're just so proud to be able to work with groups like Connections and to see the miraculous work that they do. I, one thing she didn't mention is they didn't lose any staff during COVID either. No, really? We, no we were, turnover. No, it was amazing. Yes. So just it's just to be proud of groups like that. It feels oh. fantastic. 
We need to, yeah, we need to reward that, the mm-hmm. good stuff happening in the community. And right. We're so delighted to have you both in the studio today. Maureen Gustafson with the Mankato Area Foundation and Erica Kozier with Connections Shelter. You guys do such great work and keep it up. And if any of you have any questions, please contact them. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks so right. much. Bye-bye. All right. I hope they get a great turnout. Appreciate the